0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. I'm going to keep this pre-interview section brief and update you all on a new addition to the 75-gallon tank, and that addition is a 20-pound cylinder of CO2. Yes, I have moved into the high-tech world of planted tanks. I've been injecting CO2 for about a week and a half now, and so far I have noticed the java ferns taking really well and showing signs of what I can only call more robust growth. The Valescenaria in the background and some newer editions of Dwarf Sagittaria seem to be taking it slow, but time will tell if their growth ramps up. I'm playing it on the safe side and being very conservative with my CO2 dosing, so with time I will gradually increase the amount of CO2 I am injecting as I become more familiar with this new resource. If you have any good lessons learned from your experience with dosing CO2, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at aquarispodcast at gmail.com or stop by the Aquarispodcast Facebook page and leave a comment. That wraps up this part of the episode. On to the interview. Today's date is Wednesday, February 28th, 2018. Today, I'm joined by Joe Ferdensi. Joe has been a killifish fanatic since a very young age, having bred numerous species of killifish throughout his time in the hobby. Joe is also a lifetime member of the American Killifish Association, currently serving as their committee chair for beginners. So Joe, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Randy. Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you. Thank you for inviting me to talk to you.
0: I'm honored to have you on the show Joe. Um, you know, we, we were talking a little bit here before we actually started this interview and right. I mean, you are you you are an awesome uh fountain of knowledge and I'm very excited to bring you to my uh to to my show. Um so yeah, why don't um if you wouldn't mind just giving kind of a brief overview um or an in-depth overview if you like of of your time in the hobby. So you've been a uh, since a sure, kid, sure. you've been a lifelong aquarium well, guy. Um,
1: sure, thank you Randy. That's that's very kind of you. Uh, well, you know, my I started keeping tropical fish when I was around 11 or 12 years old. I don't remember exactly because I had a friend in grammar school uh, who had his own room and he had fish tanks in there. So I got drawn into it with him. You know, we'd, we'd go to pet shops, we'd walk to them. We'd take the subway. This was in New York city where I was growing up. And uh, one year, as a gift, he gave me uh, the Innes book, the famous William T. Innes book, "Exotic Aquarium Fishes," uh, which is probably the, even to this day, the most famous aquarium book ever published in 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 America. You know, on the aquarium uh, uh, stuff. So, uh, so this was also the first aquarium book I'd ever owned. So I read this book, Randy. I read the entire book. Then I read it again. <laughs> then I read it a third time. I memorized this book. This this yeah, this book became my Bible. Well, when I was reading this book, now what Innes was famous for was for having for being the first guy to illustrate tropical fish via color photography. Okay. And In this book, he had a photograph of a male blue galaris, which is a killifish from Africa. Well, when I saw this picture, I said to myself, even though I was a little kid, oh my God, look at this thing. It's the most exotic fish I've ever seen. Now, I've been to local pet shops, but I had never seen anything that looks like a blue galaris. I mean, any of you listeners, if they just go on the internet and look up a picture of a blue galaris and especially if they look up the Innes photo, because even to this day, even 50 years later, in my mind, it is still one of the best photographs of a blue galaris I've ever seen. Well, this thing was so exotic looking. I said, Oh my God, I, where can I get this? And you know, and so on and so forth. And so that, that little episode, uh, grew my interest in killifish and then when you started going to pet shops and you realized nobody has them it sort of piqued my interest even more because these things look so exotic and yet they were so unavailable <laughs> that uh just from that moment on that's what 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 you know started my interest in them and joe and, um, the
0: blue galaris that's the symbol um, that's the symbol fish right in the american killifish association yes, yes, logo that's
1: the uh that was chosen in, in 1962 or 63, But you know, the, the American Killifish Association was founded in 1962, and it's the oldest national uh, specialty organization in the United States. And when they were debating what fish to choose as the emblem, they chose the blue galaris because uh, it, it's, number one, it's one of the largest of, of the killifish you know, one of the largest killifish there is, number one, so that makes it striking. And then number two, the, the killifish has what I call a tripartite uh, tail or caudal fin. You know, it's got three, like, filaments coming out of it, which is a very, very rare thing among tropical fish. The only other tropical fish that we commonly keep that has what I call a tripartite, a tripartite tail is the Emperor Tetra, okay, but the Emperor Tetra is nowhere near as large or as or, or has the the colors that a blue Gas has has, so a blue Gas is a very very striking looking fish, even if you've been in the hobby a long time uh, and i 'm talking about freshwater fish now because you know marine fish that's a whole different kettle of uh, you know <laughs>
0: yeah so i <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit among something freshwater here freshwater fish. So the blue Galaris, yeah, gonna... I I yeah. thought when I saw that emblem, I figured that what the AKA had done was just take three different components, right? Some like three different, uh, you know, <laughs> features of various killifish, and they're like, oh well, that's right. very, you know, that's very democratic of them. They they probably voted, and everybody had a different part of a killifish that they liked, and they all put it into one logo. And then now that you're probably telling like a me, fish. E- yeah, exactly, right. we want to appease everybody. So you might have been the you you might have been the people that like the uh, zebra vertical stripe. So they put that more in the uh, towards the tail section of the right. fish, you know. But right, you know, right. to actually see these pictures yeah. and to have you say that no, that is legitimately what the fish looks like. I mean, it is. Yes. it's it's a stunner.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. So, so that's what got me started. You know, with my with my lifelong interest in killifish. Now, of course, I didn't know anybody who kept killifish at the time, and so my real involvement in the killifish hobby didn't start until. 1975, and that year I was reading T F H magazine, Tropical Fish Hobbyist magazine, or some other magazine. I don't know. I always, I will, I've always read a lot. So whatever I could get my hands on, I read. And I see an announcement that the American Killifish Association is going to be having its annual convention on Long Island. And you know, I lived in Queens County, which is part of New York City, but it. It's also part of Long Island, and uh, that it was being hosted by the Long Island Killifish Association, and 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 I said, "Oh my God, there's a Long Island Killifish Association!" <laughs> so I wrote to the person who was the president of the Long Island Killifish Association, and he invited me to a meeting, and uh, so I've been involved now in the organized uh, you know killifish hobby since 1975 because I. I became a member of that local club, and I attended my first American Killifish Association convention in 1975. And let me tell you, that was an eye-opener. Anybody wants to be mesmerized by killifish, you have to go to an American Killifish Association convention because you will see on display more killifish in one place than you'll ever see anywhere else you'll be amazed at the variety of killies and the colorfulness of these killifish. I was, I certainly, I, I was bowled over. I, I, and that's it. And uh, you meet a lot and you meet a lot of nice people. <laughs> killifish people are really great hobbyists. They don't do it for the money. There's no money in killifish. If somebody thinks I'm going to start breeding killifish and make a lot of money, stop now. <laughs> and so it looks it won't like happen. yeah and it looks like
0: in uh, so for 2018 the uh the Killifish Associates the convention's going to be in Detroit on May 25th Correct. through 27th. So if you're uh, listening to this before that date, you've got time uh get yourself mm-hmm. is that Romulus, Michigan? Technically it's in yeah, Romulus. Yeah, I forgot
1: the exact name of the town where the hotel is, but Yeah, oh, interesting. I think it's somewhere near Detroit. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, and it looks like we've got some uh some some international speakers and some uh, some good looking oh yeah uh, some some cool sounding oh, titles yeah. of some uh, uh, some talks so um,
1: right so you know, we always had people from uh, overseas uh, uh you know whether they're from Europe or South America uh, in 1975 our speaker came our main speaker came from Africa and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a really uh, international group of speakers that we usually have at these conventions. And they have, con- you know, then in addition to seeing all the fish in the show, uh, there are fish sales where you can pick up fish at great prices. And then on Sunday, there's the big auction. Because one thing that the A.K.A. does that's pretty much different from any other uh, group, every fish that gets entered in the show must be sold at the auction and all the profits go to the to the ATA the person who puts the fish in the show doesn't get one red cent
0: that's how generous yeah that's excellent people are yeah that is fantastic uh, so Joe, mm-hmm. let's, let's go back a little bit. So you've now, um, you've now joined the American Killifish Association in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, right. you know, how, how does your, your experience with killifish kind of explode from there, if you will? Um, you know, did you start with kind of one species and in, in one tank and, and, you know, it took you a couple of years or, um, kind of paint the picture of your progression now with killifish now that you're in the AKA?
1: Right. Uh, well, it, it was uh, like anything else you uh, learn as you go and the best thing uh, is being with other killifish people because that's really where you learn. Um, You can pick up things from books and reading magazines. Certainly those are valuable resources, but there's nothing like visiting somebody's fish room and seeing in person what they do and how they do it. And as I said, uh, and I'll keep repeating this because this is totally true. And, and I've been involved in a lot of facets of the aquarium hobby. You know, but I won't belabor that. Now I'll stick to killifish. Killifish people are among the most generous people in the hobby. They are. They share things with you. They share fish. They share their techniques. They don't hide things. They don't have secrets. You know, whatever they're doing that's successful. They will share that with you. And so little by little, I would be getting fish from people. They would give me things, and they would say, okay, this is how you do it, you know, how you breed them. Look, this is how you find the eggs in the spawning mops. So, yes, in the beginning, I started with relatively easy fish, you know, um, uh, the kinds of fish that lay their eggs in, in what we call spawning mops. Uh, and where you can actually pick the egg off the the yarn that these spawning mops are made of with your, your little with your thumb and forefinger, believe it or not. And then these eggs uh, you keep them in water and they you see them. They actually you know, especially if you put them under a microscope, you can see the embryos developing inside the eggs. Because killifish eggs most killifish eggs are relatively large compared to, you know, fish eggs in general. And you can see that development. And so you start off with the small, the easy one. And that's the thing about killifish. And, you know, when I give my talks, I try to dispel some of these myths that so many people think killifish are difficult. And that's just not true. And, and most killifish are just like any other aquarium fish, they eat everything. I mean, I have a lot of killifish in my fish room that they just eat standard flight food and pellets and freeze-dried stuff. You don't need anything special for them. Um, they, the water temperature is normal. Everything about them is normal. What, what people get confused about, Randy, is that killifish are the only group of uh, hobby fish that we have that has a group of fish that are known as annuals. And these fish are the real challenge. They're, yes, they're the harder ones to keep but they're also the ones with a breeding modality that is unique in our hobby and really um, uh, exposes you to the beauty of nature because, you know, annual fish are those fish that in nature, and they all come from either South America or Africa, these annual fishes. uh, These are the fish that come from these temporary rain pools in nature, and before the rain pool dries up, the adults lay their eggs in the mud or the sand at the bottom of these pools. And when then the water is totally gone and these pools desiccate, the eggs do not because they're buried in the mud and they stay moist. And then when the rains come again, a whole new generation catches out in these pools and you can replicate that at home. And I've done it a number of times and I can tell you, 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 you have to, know that I come from a background of breeding a lot of different kinds of fish and and they're all enjoyable, but there's nothing, nothing quite as thrilling as taking what looks like a blob of mud, throwing it into a small container of water and coming back like, you know, 12, 24 hours later and seeing hundreds of fish swimming in this container that previously just held a blob of mud.
0: Yeah, it it, it, is, it really is amazing how life, you know, it finds a way in those, even the harshest of conditions that, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they haven't, oh, yeah. you know, that, that annual lifespan where, you know, they, and they also grow very fast too, correct, in the annuals? Yes. Yeah, so they, yes. they grow yes. fast, they reach sexual uh, maturity very fast, and they, they right. reproduce. Um, so I'm going to go on a limb and say, now evolutionary, um, you know, as far as evolving, are the males of the annuals are they typically more colorful to you know trigger that 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 spawning behavior um, more aggressively I guess in the females or do you tend to find that color wise they're in line with the other killifish? So that's kind of a, a, a little theory they, I've got cooked yeah, up. Yeah, that's
1: a good question, very good question. Uh, they're they're pretty much in line with the other killifish. You know, um, for those who aren't that familiar with killifish the vast majority of killies, not all of them, but the vast majority, the males are strikingly colored and the females have no color whatsoever. (laughs) That's, that's, you know, so you have to be careful when you have more than one kind of killifish at home, never put them together because chances are you won't be able to tell the females apart. (laughs) So many of them look alike, the females, regardless of what species they're from. But, uh, Yeah, when it comes to whether they're annuals or non-annuals, you can find a lot, a lot of very, very colorful non-annuals. And those are the ones that are as easy to keep as any tropical fish. I grant you the annuals are more difficult but the, they're only a small segment you know of the killifish hobby
0: yeah and so you've just dispelled the um you know all killifish die after one year you know they're the they're the they're the they're the short term they're the they're the short term lease you know fish uh, or the short-term lease car of the fish world, I guess. So if you're the type of person that right. wanted a new, you know, you want a new car every year, you want a new fish every year, get one of these annual killifish. So that's just right. for the annuals, right. not all the killifish. Um, and the other one I think you've dispelled that I've seen on the internet is they only eat live food. But any, any, And you're saying that, you know, <laughs> right, you being a right. master breeder... Yeah, I don't
1: know how that got started because... <laughs> well, I think I know how it got started, Randy, because annuals, this is true, I always tell people, Annuals are like frogs. You know, you ever keep a frog? A frog won't eat anything that isn't alive and moving. <laughs> and annual killifish are like that. That's true. And how about the But f- not, but not the other fish. Not the other killifish. They'll yep. eat
0: anything. Gotcha. And so now, how about kind of the third major one I, I see is that um, they're, you know, some of the most aggressive fish that you could possibly keep, and they will kill everything.
1: No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that myth probably comes about because they're called killy fish (laughs) which we know especially here in new york city where we have bodies of water called kills that's just a dutch word for a small body of water they call it a kill so we still use those that word around here in new york city because of course this was a dutch colony before it became a an english colony so that's probably where that comes from. In fact, you know, I tell beginners all the time that uh, they, when they ask me, can I keep this killifish in a community tank, I'll say, yeah, you can, but I'm warning you, they're very shy. So you if you keep them in a the community tank, you may not see them. So it's just the opposite. You know, most killifish are rather shy, not aggressive at all. Uh, there's a, you know, there's exceptions to every rule, of course, you know. Which is, you know, what I uh, what we try to inculcate, you know, with, with beginners, we we try to steer them towards the fish that are somewhat easier to keep. Uh, one of the programs we have in the AKA, if you join the AKA and sign up for the special beginners program, you 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 get a pair of killifish uh, uh, from various members, including me. I donate the fish. The new member, all he or she is paying for is the shipping, okay? But they get the fish for nothing. And the fish we normally ship to beginners is the uh, Fundulopanchax gardenerize. It doesn't have a common name, so I'm not trying to show off. It just doesn't have a common name. We call them Gardnerize. They're from Africa. They're non-annuals. It's a very colorful fish. I mean, picture a fish about the size of a, I don't know, of a betta, you know, a Siamese fighting fish, but it's like a, a, it's blue. It's like a sky blue color with these red dots all over it. And then the unpaired fins are blue with a red stripe followed by a yellow stripe. I mean, come on, <laughs> you you can't find a more colorful freshwater fish than that. And they eat everything, everything.
0: Yeah. And so, so you know, I'm looking at the beginner page right now, and I see, um, so when you go to the American Killifish Association, you can click on the beginner species, and they have the list Mm -hmm. of the three species, um, and there are the gardener eye. So you've got two gardener eyes on there, Um, and from what I've I've done of research, and you know, you can, of course, correct me on this, but the way killifish names are done um, is that typically the last part of the name will be the the location of where they were. So So I see McCurdy. Correct. And then Masai
1: McCurdy, Inadiri, Massage, oh, yeah, massage all Okay, all those are location names. Correct?
0: Okay, so we've got those two, and those are at, you can actually click on the links, and it'll pull up a picture. One is uh, one of the gardener eye is a little bit more red and blue with yellow trim, I guess you would say, and then the right. other one is uh, just all more a lot more blue in the body. Uh, and then you've also got mm-hmm. the Florida flagfish as kind of the third option. Um, so as, yes, that,
1: that was recently added. Somebody in the AKA was generous enough to, uh, somebody who lives in Florida, uh, I believe, was was kind enough to say, hey, I can supply this fish, you know, and that's a beautiful native fish, Jordanella floridae, which they sometimes call the flag fish. And, and that's one of the few killies, by the way, you know that you do see in pet shops from time to time because it's collected in Florida, and uh, and it maybe it's also bred on fish farms in Florida. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, that's a that's a pretty uh, native fish.
0: So let's talk. Um, I, I kind of want you to guide me through because uh, I, I think after this conversation, it might be tonight or tomorrow, but definitely this week, um, the last week of February. Uh, first week mm-hmm. of March, I'm going to join the American Killifish Association. And right. I'm going to take you guys up on your offer because I have uh, a little real estate in a 10 gallon tank right now that's empty. So, but, you know, then, then
1: it's perfect <laughs> for a pair of gardener
0: eyes. Right? Yes. So I was going to say, walk me through between the gardener eye. Now, obviously, I, I'm assuming then the difference would be kind of which color catches my fancy between those two right. and the Florida flag right. fish. You know, right. if, if I'm a beginner. And, and
1: understand this, Randy, you know. Uh, believe it or not i haven't looked at the <laughs> this is funny but i haven't looked at those photographs but i can tell you this you know photographs are funny uh it, depending on how the light struck the fish at the moment the photo was taken you know whatever i can tell you this all the various kinds of gardener eyes that are available they're equally beautiful and i've got them all i've got the three that we've offered in the past, are, location-wise, are the, the Inadiri, the McCurdy and the Massage. And I've got all three. And I can tell you, all three of them are equally beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm thinking... But they're I'm... easy
1: to keep because like a 10-gallon tank is perfect, okay? And the only thing I always tell people, you have to make sure about the tank this is almost as important as the water quality. Okay. You have to cover every little opening in the tank. These fish are Olympic jumpers. Okay. If you leave a little opening on the top of your tank, you will be minus the fish within a short period of time. <laughs> so that's number one. Um, number two, the males, you know, uh, they what they want to do all day long is uh, eat and breed so the females have to have places to hide they have to have, you have to have plants in the tank you have to have something rock work something the spawning mop is a place the females will hide in not because the males will go and kill the females they normally do not do that but they will pursue them aggressively and the females get you know, tired. <laughs> so you kind of give them places to hide. But other than that, uh, the gardener uh, you know, when it comes to water temperature, they tolerate a wide variety of, you know, normal temperatures from 72 to 76. Uh, pH is not a critical thing. Mine are, all my fish are in alkaline water, you know, 7.0 to 7.4. But if the water were acidic, let's say 6.8, 6.4, nothing bad would happen either. You know, everybody's got different water conditions and and from, you know, depending on where they live and how they keep their tanks. Uh, One trick I I learned from a a much better killifish hobbyist than than me and who was one of my mentors uh, is, you know, if you keep a box filter in your tank, you can put crushed coral in that box filter and it will keep the water from becoming too acidic. Um, Cause if the water does drop like, you know, in, in the 6.0 or lower range, that isn't good, but that's not good for any fish, you know, right, with right. very few exceptions. So, but if you put a box filter in your tank, uh, and I use box filters in almost all my aquariums uh, and you put some crushed coral in there, that's
0: going to help buffer your water, you know? Yep. And so for, for the beginners, and I don't think we've really touched on this though, but just as a, a, as a beginner to the hobby, um, you know, Mm kind of everything that you're laying out is that these fish are definitely, um, you know, bulletproof fish. And it's not like, you know, there's a trade-off of, well, that's a tough fish, but it's ugly as sin. I mean, this is a tough fish and it's gorgeous. (laughs) So no no that's true. You that's know true. how how we're not getting more people out there to uh to to keep killifish and uh, and you know be super excited about it. Um yeah, I mean I don't I don't know. Like I'm uh why do you yeah. think they're not as prevalent now in the in the pet stores like these gardener Eye?
1: Why do I think you don't see them? Yeah, do you have any theories? Yeah. Well, they're you know to produce a lot of killifish it's, it's labor intensive because, um, so you can't really, it's very difficult to mass produce them. It can be done, but it's, it's much more labor intensive than a lot of other fish, you know. Uh, I mean, when you talk about things like catfish and tetras and barbs, you know, they lay dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs in one fell swoop, uh, and then you can raise them all up at the same time. Um, uh, live bearers, you know, they keep producing fry constantly, mouth-brooding African cichlids, they're constantly at it, you know, big South American cichlids, and believe me, I've bred all these fish, so I know what I'm talking about, big South American cichlids, you know, they'll give you a thousand fry in one shot, okay, killer fish doesn't work that way, you get a couple, from each female, you get maybe a couple of eggs each day, okay, so, you know, you have to keep picking eggs every day, and then at a certain point, the eggs you picked on day one, when they hatch, they can't keep, be kept with the eggs that hatch on day 14 because now those fry are two weeks apart, and in the killifish world, uh, that's not good because the older fish will pick on the younger fish if not eat them outright. So you can't keep them together. So you got to have all these. If you ever seen a a killifish hobbyist uh, fish room, it's full of little Tupperware containers because we're keeping all these eggs and all these fries se- and all these fry separate and growing them out until they're adults separately because we don't want them to prey on one another. So the the intensive labor that goes into raising a large quantity of killifish is just not. You know, it's just not what the aquarium industry is about. They, they want to be able to produce hundreds at the same time. Um, I think that's largely part of the reason um, that you don't see them often. And there are exceptions. I mean, in pet shops, or other than what I've just mentioned about the Florida flag fish, uh, another killifish you do see from time to time in pet shops is a gold form of Aplochylus lineatus, they sometimes call it the wonder killie or the golden killie. It's a it's a golden form that they developed in Southeast Asia, where Aplochylus lineatus comes from originally. It's a Southeast Asian fish. Now, this was always a beautiful fish, albeit and fairly large, and uh, it is the now the lineatus. So that would include the golden form that you find in pet shops. Um, the only thing about that fish is it's it's another bulletproof fish, but it's a very aggressive fish. Uh with its females, you have to be make sure you have hiding spots for the females. And um it will eat any fish that can fit in its mouth. Now fortunately it's not a giant fish, so you can keep it in a community tank, but you couldn't keep it with guppies, for example. <laughs> they it would it would make lunch and dinner out of the guppies, you know. Oh, gotcha. Uh, but I mentioned this only because this is a, a killifish that a person might see in a pet shop, you know. But the golden form, I, I tell you, the first time I saw the golden form, I was amazed because it it really looked like it was made out of 14 karat gold. It was, it was amazing.
0: So now I see yeah. why the, the people in the killifish hobby are so generous because, you know, there's so much work to make more killifish that, you know, you, you, you almost... Uh, you know, and I say this very jokingly, but you almost trick newcomers mm-hmm. into the killifish hobby with the beauty, <laughs> you get them addicted, and then now you have, you know, now you have more people to help breed these very difficult, uh, you know, to raise up, but beautiful fish. Um, and difficult only mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, it's the, it, as you explained, it's, you know, they lay a small number of eggs each day and you have to keep those separate. Right. Um, right. But yeah, but, it's, but now you know, I get it. Now I see why you're so generous.
1: Technique. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead Randy.
0: I was going to say now I see why you guys are so generous. <laughs>
1: uh but there there is another technique which which I, you know, uh uh practice with some killifish and I've told this to people also. I I call it the the lazy killifish way, you know, of of raising uh killifish and that is to have a relatively large aquarium, and by that I mean, you know, 20 gallons or more, and you load it chock a block full of plants like Java moss and Java fern and water sprite, and then you let nature take its course. And in that way, you can raise killifish without doing any work whatsoever. The only drawback to that method is you won't raise as many killifish. As when you hand-pick the eggs and then raise them all up individually because there will be a certain amount of predation that goes on. But if you have enough plant material uh, and, 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 and if the killifish you're keeping is not one of the more aggressive ones, uh, you will be able to raise killifish in a beautiful natural setting without a lot of work, and I have several examples of that in my fish room
0: so kind of the co- the colony setup if you will um yes. okay mm-hmm. and, and, right. and then
1: the key is you have to have a lot of plants
0: yeah yeah a lot of hiding places for the fry um, now as mm-hmm. far as uh, aggression goes with having that many adults in there i mean if, if there were to be aggression uh, there's enough of the members in the colony that all that aggression is then spread
1: out right right and i'm not i'm not really talking about aggression between the adults i'm talking about aggression versus Fry, which they view as food. Gotcha. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that so, would definitely be something uh, interesting to try as well. I mean, I think uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very much into breeding right now. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. the listeners know that I've got some. Um, I've got some guppy fry right now and you know, this is actually my first, this is my second time back into the hobby, but my first time being successful breeding fish. And and I say first time Uh because I've never kept guppies before. So, you know, you you, you keep a male, female (laughs) guppy, you're going to be successful. So they just had their second, uh second release of fry and I've got those scooped out in the hang on breeder box. And, um, I've got some rainbow good. fish fry that I'm, that I'm growing up in another 10 gallon tank. So, uh, I'm feeding those good, guys good. all the, the small little, uh, you know, golden pearl I five, love to, five to I 50
1: love I have quite a few of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're fun in those, uh, rainbow fish fry growing yeah. those up. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to try my hand, um, you know, with these gardener. I think I'll, I think I'll go with that one. Um, I ran it by the wife right. and she, she liked the blue form the best um
1: yeah yeah
0: so yeah I which think,
1: one is that i thi- which one is the blue one? it form? was the
0: name that i butchered let's see here that's okay massage just curious massage
1: massage uh-huh okay did i say it right or am i just yeah, saying am one. i just saying
0: massage but with a french sounding name
1: yeah yeah uh, <laughs> massage it's m-i-s-a-j-e-f um yeah that's a very pretty one but i'm telling you they're all pretty doesn't matter <laughs> they're all colorful. They they're all blue with red dots with the red, you know, with the red, blue, and yellow, unpaired fins. They they all have that in common. So, um, you know, the 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 real. I have a hard time telling them apart sometimes. That's why I have to be very very careful to make sure I keep them separated and meticulously labeled, and, and you know, because God forbid. You you should mix up any of the females, especially. You'll never be able to tell them apart, ever, ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the other thing that I've noticed in in doing research on killifish is that, um, you know, in in general, I'm trying to do um, a better job of of knowing the the Latin names for uh, for fish, Mm -hmm. and especially the ones that I'm keeping. Um, But in researching killifish, I've noticed that killifish have the most difficult uh Latin names to attempt to pronounce? Is there is there any rhyme or reason why it seems like the killifish have the most difficult Latin names, or is it just because I'm a newbie and I and I haven't heard how they're pronounced yet?
1: <laughs> I, I think in general uh their their Latin names are no more uh difficult really than other groups of fish. Um I I think part of the problem is um as I was saying earlier when I said, you know, Fundalo panchax gardneri, and I said I have to say that because there's no common name, is that most killifish, because they're not common in the hobby, they don't have common names. So you're stuck with learning all these Latin names, whereas with other fish, you know, you don't have to know the scientific name for a black ruby barb because you can just call it a black ruby barb. You don't have to know the scientific name for a neon tetra you know but with killifish you're stuck if you don't know the scientific names you really can't have a discussion with uh, other killifish hobbyists or, or even people in the business you know people who pet shop owners or anybody so i think that's part of the problem is that you're stuck with having to learn all these uh, latin words you know and yeah some of them are tongue twisters i'll grant you that and uh but you know, it's sort of something you'd sort of get used to. Plus you know, here's the other thing I always tell people, Randy, because we have discussions about this. Nobody knows how to pronounce Latin anyway. <laughs> you
0: com- just say it with I always
1: tell people there are no recordings of Roman centurions, okay? <laughs> so everybody who's from a different country pronounces these Latin words differently, depending on what country they're from. And they, they're not wrong because, like I said, nobody really knows how to pronounce Latin uh, since there's no recordings of native Roman speakers, you know. I, I for example, I speak Italian. I'm, I'm, I, I was born in Italy, and I came here as a young boy, and I'm fluent in Italian. So you would think, oh, Latin, Italian. Oh, Italian is derived from Latin. must be the same thing. Wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but I pronounce my Latin words with it with more, more or less with a a combination of Italian and, and English pronunciation, and you know that that's just what I do, and other people pronounce them differently. So I I don't want anybody to be discouraged when they're talking about killifish that they may not get the pronunciation right. Believe me, no one really. Uh, should make a big deal about
0: that. Hey, I think my strategy is just going to be to, however, uh, whatever I say in Latin, I'm just going to say it with confidence, and uh, hopefully the confidence will yeah. will let somebody know that, uh, <laughs> like, no, I'm saying I it right. Totally, You're not I saying it right. I think
1: that's a good strategy. <laughs> I think that's a very good strategy.
0: And then I'll make them question how they pronounce it. Like, maybe, is that guy right? I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, why not? So you on never
0: the, know. On the note of, you know, the scientific naming and, uh, and whatnot on killifish, um, as far as, uh, what makes a killifish a killifish? So I, I've looked over the internet, I've looked on uh, you know mm-hmm. Wikipedia and, and various uh, tropical fish forums and and whatnot. Right. And other than being all killifish lay eggs, um, like right. what is the what makes a killifish a killifish? I mean, is it a, is it an yeah. extra fin here or there? Like, what is it, what is the unique you know uh, well, sci- attribute?
1: Scientists, a ichthyologist could give you the answer. I'm not an ichthyologist, but I know this. Uh killifish are the egg-laying analog to live bearers, like guppies and mollies and platys and swordtails. Uh, they, in fact, you know, in the old literature, you will see killifish referred to as egg-laying toothed carps, you know, tooth, T-O-O-T-H-E-D, in that they have teeth, some sort of teeth, and Live bearers are known as live bearing toothed carps, okay?
0: <laughs> so now that you say so, that, I think that was the only thing that, that was common was that, you know, egg laying and with uh, tooth bearing. I, I want to say that was um, that was yeah. one of the other distinguishing yeah. characteristics. That, that
1: had, yeah, it's something along those lines. And the other thing about fish is, you know, other than, you know, Antarctica, which of course has, has no fish, uh, Killifish are found in every continent in the world except for Australia, and and in Australia they're sort of replaced by, you know, the rainbow fish, uh, in a sense, you know. Uh, but otherwise, killifish are and and killifish are found in some of the some of the most inhospitable places on Earth, including, you know, the the pupfish in Devil's Hole, uh, which is that uh, you know protected. Uh, uh water hole in in the, the I forget which desert, but Death Valley in Nevada, I believe it is. Um, I,
0: I see something that says Death know, Valley here. Where? Uh, I'm looking on Wikipedia, and it says uh, yeah. Devil's Hole, Ash Meadows yeah. National Wildlife Refuge. Okay, it does say uh, Nye County, Nevada, in the southwestern United yeah. States. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that fish is found in that one little subterranean water hole in, in Devil's Hole, Nevada, and no place else in the world. And you can find killifish in deserts. They live in waters that would probably give you a third degree burn if you put your foot in there, but there are killifish in there, okay? Um, the killifish are also found in brackish water, like you know here around New York City with all our Lagoons and estuaries, whatever you want to call them. You know, we have killifish in salt water around here. Um, I've had killifish that were collected locally, and, and, um, and they're called Fundulus heteroclitus. It's one of the. They, they're used as they're so common. They're used as bait. Okay. Anyway, I've had Fundulus heteroclitus that I had them in a saltwater tank, and they were perfectly fine. You take them out of the saltwater tank, you dump them immediately into fresh water, like, like nothing happened. Wow. <laughs> they were fine. I mean, there are so many killifish in the world, and so many of them have such interesting habits uh, or live in such interesting habitats. It's, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. But to get back to you know, what attracted me and, and what I think attracts beginners, and I believe rightly so, is the amazing colors these fish have. And they're not man-made. I don't have anything against man-made fish, but when nature creates a, a, an animal with such beautiful colors, you just have to appreciate it that it, it's, you know, it's nature-made. And and I don't think there's any group of freshwater fish that can claim as many colorful members as killifish. And believe tetras and barbs they they've got a lot of colorful fish i mean anyone who's seen a cardinal tetra and doesn't think it's colorful you know has got rocks in their head but <laughs> but there's still something about killifish the, the combination of colors the arrangement of the colors that's just it, it's like it came out of some some artists uh you know dreams or something i i, I can't explain it uh but um yeah that That's the thing about them, that they're, especially the African ones, you know, uh, they tend to be more colorful than any of the other, uh, you know, uh, killifish from other parts of the world. But the South American ones, especially some of the South American annuals, oh, my God, the finish on some of them is mind-blowing for for such small fish. Uh, There's there's an annual killifish from South America, the genus name keeps changing, so I don't even know what the latest version is, but its species name, which never changes, is Dollycopterus. Well, you look that up on the internet, it's also known as the saberfin killie, you look at that fish and you go, oh my God, there's no other fish in the world that looks like it. The finage on this thing is incredible. In proportion to its body, it's just my, mind-boggling, um, and, and that's the world that killi, you know—being in the killifish opens up to you because the variety of killifish and their breeding modalities is so varied. Uh, it, it's, it's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, so that saberfin killi—I'm looking at it right now on Google Images. It, it, mm-hmm. Those fins are are absolutely striking, and I and I think also in the show mm-hmm. notes. So in addition to having links to the American uh, Killifish Association for listeners to go and check out, um, I'll I'll put mm-hmm. the name of this fish in there, so it, it's there for them to mm-hmm. uh, to Google or maybe just a direct link to Google Images that they can pull up. But yeah, I mean that is right. uh, that's it. That's an amazing fish as well. Is that is that fairly common among the the, the killifish hobbyists?
1: No, <laughs> but it's around. Yeah. But, but it's a you know in, in in you know we get we get fish and eggs many times from Europe because of course just like the rest of the aquarium scene you know there are many many fantastic hobbyists in Europe uh, and uh, many of them are into killifish I mean you know the the Germans the Dutch the Italians. They're, they're the French that I mentioned. The French, yeah, they're, they're all big into tillyfish, uh, especially the Dutch and the Germans. And uh, so you can find that fish over there. And of course, that's the other thing about tillyfish that made it amenable to being this intern, this national organization is that you can mail fish eggs to people. In the beginning, when people weren't sure how to mail. Adult live fish. The thing that made it uh, uh, amenable to being a national organization was that members could mail eggs to one another through the mails. because even non-annual killifish eggs they take about you know two weeks to hatch. So you could put them in the mail, and they would they wouldn't hatch while they were in the mail. You know, Unlike a lot of fish where. They lay eggs, but they hatch the next day <laughs> so that you can't really mail them. That was
0: going to be my question if it was the uh, annuals only, given that th- those eggs go through a more um, uh, difficult, um, you know, uh, difficult environmental change. Oh, yeah, much
1: longer time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly annuals. But but all of them, you're the saying. Bill, but also non-annuals. Wow. You can send through the mail because they take uh, uh, about two weeks to develop. Yeah, well, with with non, with annuals, you know the the development time of the eggs varies with the species. I mean, some of them you <laughs> you have to wait six months. <laughs> oh wow! Before they hatch, <laughs> you know, but most most aren't. You don't have to wait that long. Three months is about average for most annual killifish. But you know, um, as I said, uh, the majority of killifish are not annual, so, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and so I think um, all of these, all of these various features of the killifish, you know, if you're if you're somebody listening to the show and you've got a fish room, um, or you have space for, you know, even a five-gallon tank, right, for killifish, um, oh, you know, sure. you, you should at least yeah, keep... Yeah,
1: for a lot of killifish, five gallons is perfectly, yeah. perfectly fine yeah, for a pair or a trio. Again, it depends on the size of the killifish, obviously, you know. but these... you know, gardener Rye, uh, the smallest tank I would keep a pair of gardener eye in is the five and a half. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and, uh, you know, you've got some real estate for a five and a half gallon tank, join the American Killifish association, uh, get, get some gardener eye, um, and mm-hmm. let, the, let those things go at it and then just enjoy them for the color. And, um, you know, appreciate the fact that the fish can, yeah. can survive such uh, a,
1: you know, a wide range of conditions, that, you know, uh, Randy, if you have a spawning mop in the tank with them, which you should, you'll, you're going to have a lot of fun picking the eggs off the mop. There aren't many fish you can do that with, okay? There aren't very many fish that you can, you know, take the mop out of the tank, you know, hang it over a bucket, and then carefully look at each strand. And it's always a delight when you see an egg, and and you can just, and these eggs are hard. Uh, you can't crush them by picking them, um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. It gives you something to do that that's just enjoyable, which you can't do with other fish. I mean, I bred a lot of other kinds of fish, Randy, and trust me, you can't go pick their eggs for the
0: most part <laughs> yeah so nature did a good job of you know evolving a fish species that that's good for the beginner you know and in, in many sense of mm-hmm. from water parameters to uh, you know even handling the eggs i mean they're they're right i, I dare i say that you know they should they should be one of the fish that maybe a beginner should start with because you're gonna you know you're gonna get the satisfaction of that beautiful color as well um so right, jo, jo, right. Is, I, yeah
1: no no it's true it's just that it's uh, unless beginners Know that tillyfish are out there; uh, they're hard to get, you know, and uh, um, to find. So, yeah, I, that's why joining the AKA I always thought was a smart move on my part, and certainly a a good move on the part of uh, uh, other people. And, uh, uh, and and I just I just want to say this, Randy. Though you know, a lot of people, you know, it's they look for different things in organizations and no organization can make, can make everybody happy. But I, I have to say this, that the, the, the benefit of being in the AKA is, is a long-term thing. If anybody wants to join the AKA and think that, you know, it's like instant satisfaction immediately. Um, they, they may be, you know, don't understand that the real satisfaction of being in the AKA comes from the long haul uh being in it for a while because and going to your local uh killifish affiliate club and actually meeting killifish hobbyists, then you're really, really, really gonna enjoy the killifish hobby long term because it's the people that are in it that are are its most spectacular asset, you know? Um so When you join the A.K.A., there's a list of affiliate clubs, and hopefully, for most people, there's one in their area that they can join, you know?
0: Yeah, so I see my affiliate club that's closest to me will be Northwest Killies. Uh, They have a Facebook group, so... Definitely want to get connected mm-hmm. with them. Um, and me as a member right. of the Greater Seattle Aquarium Society, um, I would like to, you know, obviously being in it for the long haul and enjoying the killifish and being a part of the AKA and this Northwest Killies. But, I, you know, I would like to be able to donate a, a pair of killifish to an auction every once in a while. Um, so I think that yeah. would be cool to give somebody an opportunity yeah. that maybe, sure. um, you know, has never kept killifish before and, you know, say, Hey, if you've got a five and a half gallon tank, that's, uh, you know, handy, right. uh, these killifish yeah. would be beautiful yeah, no, for it.
1: It's a great idea. I mean, when I give my killifish program, I always bring what I call my, my instant killifish setup and I, I, I donate it to the club and then, you know, and it, it consists of, it's a very simple thing consists of a a five-and-a-half-gallon tank with a cover. Because, like I said, I want to remind everyone, they jump uh, with a tight-fitting cover, a spawning mop, and a pair of killifish. You fill that with water, you're good to go. (laughs) It's not complicated, you know? So I always bring one of these setups. Oh, and with a booklet for beginners, uh, I bring one of those setups to... To the club meeting when I give my killifish talk and then they they auction it off and I always hope that it gets someone interested in, in becoming a lifelong killifish hobbyist.
0: Have you ever had anyone, uh, write you back or get into contact with you and say, Hey, Joe, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I bought your, uh, your setup and now I've got, you mm-hmm. know, X number of killifish tanks set up. You know, you, you, you made me an addict. Have you had any Not of yet. that happen? Not yet. Okay. Well, hopefully it'll, hopefully I can yet, be the first. Randy, hopefully,
1: I'm
0: <laughs> hopefully I'll be the first but for what you. I
1: do get, uh, you know, when, when I mail, you know, as part of this beginner's program, when I mail fish out to people, what I do get back, uh, I do get back a lot of, oh my god, this is a beautiful fish. <laughs> oh, know? that is excellent. I do get that a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to connect offline on this conversation as well because I'm, you know, I'm not just saying that as lip service. I, I am going to join the American Killifish Association, and uh, I just right. want to make sure that, that it's gonna be that blue form one. But I'm pretty sure that'll be the one that I go with. Um, and so I'm, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to to getting a, a beautiful pair of of killifish. Right. So, so Joe, I, I would like to say thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your evening to talk killifish with me. Um, I've definitely oh, really thank pre- you, Randy.
1: Yeah, it was I, a pleasure. You you ask good questions and you're very knowledgeable and you do instant research while <laughs> while we're talking. So it was a pleasure. Uh, it really was a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and uh, just to to kind of uh, tease it out there to people listening, um, Joe, you are also. Kind of a fountain of aquarium history knowledge. Um, I don't know if yeah, I'm if I'm yeah. phrasing that correctly, but too
1: much. <laughs> yeah.
0: But if if I could, what I'd like to do is have you on again in the future, um, and to actually have you talk about the aquarium. You know, just the history of of keeping aquariums because I'm I myself am, am incredibly fascinated with that subject um and I think mm-hmm. my my listeners would also definitely appreciate uh, appreciate hearing about the history of of a hobby that you know they're they're so enthralled with and addicted to
1: Mhm. Oh yeah, and it's a very it's a very interesting history. The aquarium hobby has a very unique history. Yeah. Oh, so I'd love to, Randy. Sure, anytime.
0: Excellent, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a wonderful evening. It has been my you absolute, uh, you know, pleasure to speak with you. It has been an honor um, that you know that somebody as as experienced as you and you know that has spoken so many times in so many clubs that you would take time out of your evening uh, to get on a phone call with me. I, I definitely appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Randy. That's very kind of you. I re- I really appreciate that. Okay. Good luck with uh, your continued uh, podcast.
0: I appreciate it, sir. I had such a great time speaking with Joe and learning more about killifish and the American Killifish Association. The following day of this interview, I did in fact join the AKA, and I'm fortunate enough to be receiving a pair of garden rye from one of their generous members. I would highly encourage you all out there to join the AKA and be a part of a fantastic organization. With members like Joe, you know it's going to be a good group of people. As always, you can contact me on any of the Aquarist Podcast social media accounts through at Aquarist Podcast on Facebook, instagram and twitter or just an old-fashioned email to at podcast at gmail.com thank you all for listening please like subscribe and share this podcast with your fish nerd friends i truly appreciate it and now the sign off line get involved in your local fish club help grow this wonderful hobby and have fun with other fish nerds